Whole House Podcast. We are back this week uh, with somebody who's got a lot of local ties, but is doing things way beyond the Massachusetts area. Archie Gibbs, president and partner of Unrealistic Ideas. So to sum things up, Archie's worked on numerous projects recently with Unrealistic Ideas. He's worked on McMillions, which is a really cool docuseries. If you haven't seen it yet, please go do it. And he's got Wall Street out right now, a project he worked on with Mark Wahlberg, highlighting all of Mark's businesses and adventures. So um, actually, Archie and Mark met previously on the set of Wahlburgers, and that's what kind of led to them working on this new endeavor right now. And and they're doing some really cool stuff in all fields, um, docuseries and podcasts and content of all natures. So Definitely go check them out. Check out Archie. Check out Unrealistic Ideas. Like I said, Wall Street is live right now. It's streaming on HBO Max. We're going to go ahead and get into the podcast. If you're an entrepreneur, a filmmaker, somebody who wants to get into the entertainment industry, this is something you want to listen to. Here we go. All righty. Well, first off, uh, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. You know, we saw Wall Street, and so we really know how busy you are and how much stuff you guys are working on. Um, but yeah, you know, pure honor. Um, you know, we're based in Hall, Massachusetts, uh, close to Hingham, where you guys were doing Wahlburgers. So local ties and, and everything. And, you know, us just being young entrepreneurs, this was definitely a treat for us to watch the docuseries personally. Um, so now to get to talk to you, uh, you know, face to face, it just means even more and i'm sure our viewers and listeners are going to get a lot of it so thank you so much of course and uh uh, i love the Wahlburgers hat i can't say it's the same as the red Sox and the patriots uh (laughs) jets fan right i'm a jet i'm jets mets rangers nick so okay we'll give you the mets the mets is fine i like the mets but no islanders I know. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, well, I hate the Islanders more than I hate the Bruins. I actually like the Bruins. I root for the Bruins to a certain degree. Glad to hear and it. And then look, the Knicks, hey, they, the Knicks are better than the Celtics this year. So I love the Knicks. Yeah. Julius Randle. I mean, he's an absolute animal. So, yeah, he's a monster. Uh, of course, I can't stand the Patriots, but I admire the hell. I mean, you know, Brady's the goat. So there's no complaints there. I mean, I went to Syracuse University um, undergrad. So when I was at school, I, I saw McNabb beat Michigan at the, at the big house in Ann Arbor. That was an awesome. Then Brady was actually a backup at Michigan at the time. And he played and, and McNabb completely outplayed him and Syracuse beat them in Michigan. So as you could tell, we, we love sports. Uh, Mark and Lev and I, we're all huge sports fans and we have a bunch of stuff that we're developing in the sports world. So we're super excited about. So one of the things that we definitely want to talk to you about is uh, your approach. Um, McMillions and Wall Street, those are the two first uh, impressions that we had of uh, unrealistic ideas. You know, the first two pieces of work that we saw and and just the investigative approach that you had for both of them in different ways, you know, with with Wall Street, it was really cool to, you know, just see all the things that Mark's working on. You know, we kind of see the face, but then to really see what his schedule and day to day look like. And then with the McMillions, I mean, that was just another story that absolutely blew my mind. I mean, like, I feel like I had kind of vaguely heard about that story, but to actually see it, you know, and, and with the agent Doug Matthews and, and, and everybody else that you had doing commentary, I guess we can kind of start there with, with what the approach looks like, because, you know, from the legalities to all the interviewing that we had, that you had to do so many questions on our end. So I'd just love to hear, you know, how your process was for, for making these happen. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, we, we're very proud of that. And we, um, it's exactly right. We, we wanted to make sure that the first 
project that we got out the gate was something that that spoke to the excellence and, and the and the the level the elevated level of storytelling that we want to you know share with people and McMillions was a tremendous success. We knew from the from the get go that we had something really special there. It was a super cool story. We had amazing characters like the the, the private invest. Uh, excuse me, the, the the FBI agent Doug Matthews is awesome. Some great characters there, and just trying to tell the story in a really so it feels like it's a scripted project. You know, Mark and Lev have a long history in. Um, in scripted TV and film. And I actually come, I went to NYU grad school and I have a, uh, uh, I studied screenwriting. And so I have a, a history of knowing how to tell scripted stories too. So how do you tell an, a real true life story, but make it feel like it's a scripted story and, and not in the sense that anything's made up because everything is certainly real, but it's how do you tell it in a compelling way with, with twists and turns that's going to feel like the movie is, is scripted. Uh, in the doc scripted, I should say. Yeah. And that's actually what I was about to ask. Um, being an executive producer on something like that, we were just talking before the interview. It had to have taken so many hours of interviews and then collecting B-roll footage while also just keeping the entire story in as a narrative. Uh, what was the process like going through that? Yeah. So it's um, essentially for that you know, we had two amazing directors that were also executive producers. Um, Brian Lazarte who's a great friend of mine and James Lee Hernandez, who has become a great friend of mine. They're extremely talented directors. They came to us with the project. Then myself as a producer, I helped facilitate the sale of it. So I introduced the guys to HBO. We pitched them the project. I gave them extensive feedback on some of the materials that they were, they wrote. We reworked those materials. We sent them to HBO and they ended up buying it. And then from that point on, the guys would get, went out. They did a ton of interviews. Um, we would work on the storyline together. They would put up cards on a wall and sort of position how they're going to tell all the story. And it, it's essentially creative feedback um, for them and being a pair of fresh eyes because they were so close to it. They would show me footage or you know cuts of of the episodes and I would give them, you know, a lot of feedback. And then we talked to the network. It's a very collaborative thing, you know, between the editors who are coming at it from a different point of view, the, the, the cinematographers and you know, the cameramen that are out there shooting it. There's all these different people that are like kind of putting their bit of expertise on it. And so I usually come at these things as like, sort of the 40,000 foot view of like, okay, I'm the viewer at home. I'm watching this pretending like I don't know anything that I already know, what's going to entertain an audience, what's going to get them excited. And so that's kind of what I did creatively working hand in hand with, with those two guys specifically, and also with the editors. Uh, so did you know when you were uh, interviewing federal agent Doug that he was going to be a superstar? Cause I mean, he was a complete superstar. He, uh, right when he came on the screen, it was just like, this is the guy I want to know what this guy's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely one of the things that I had heard back from other people that had, that had seen McMillions was that he was just so captivating. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, was this like an American idol moment where you guys just knew this was the guy or were you guys just kind of rolling with it and, and seeing what was going to happen? It was like, when we, because the story is crazy to begin with, and then when we started seeing these interviews, specifically with Matthews, it was like, this is going to be something special. Because most FBI agents do not act like that. And that was my biggest note to the guys. 
it was put more Doug Matthews in there, put more Doug Matthews. And they would like, you know, we got enough Doug. I'm like, there's never enough Doug. <laughs> the guy is gold. And I was like a broken record with them. And, you know, they, they of course knew how special Doug was too, but it's also the other characters too, like Robin Columbo. I mean, she's just like with the cigarettes and smoking and, and, um, you know, Jerry Columbo's brother, the, all of the guys, they were like straight out of central casting. You could not, create these characters if you were doing this as a scripted project you couldn't even cast these people that well so we knew that it was super special and and uh we're super you know we're really happy how it how it turned out yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we definitely are too. Um, yeah. I mean, the series was just so awesome. I think episode by episode, you know, we were just so in tune and so intrigued by what was going on. I mean, there were so many turns. It just kept us on our toes. I mean, I can only imagine what that was for, for you guys making it, you know, it definitely kept you guys on your toes as well. Um, but yeah, just, just such a really cool story. And, and it really adds to the legacy of what you guys are doing. I mean, because honestly, had you guys not made the docuseries, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about McDonald's or McMillions or the story at all in any capacity. Yeah. And I think that like getting back to like the storytelling, we wanted to make sure that we had really cool cliff, they call cliffhanger moments at the end of every episode where like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. I got to keep watching, you know? Yeah, so just what's your process of just like storyboarding an unscripted television show? Because you've had a lot of experience with it from TV side to sort of a documentary series. Um, just as a producer, what's the whole process of storyboarding and not uh, unscripted television show like that? It's funny because um, every production, like I've done some personally, I've worked on some huge shows. I worked on the Oscars. I mean, it doesn't get any big as far as having to perform and produce a live television show, it does not get any more nerve wracking than that. I mean, literally, you know, people are pointing to you and it's like, you're on and you got to do, you got to, you got to deliver right away and there's no screwing up. That that's the most pressure there is. It's like, uh, you almost feel like you're an athlete, you know, and like having to perform, uh, um, in that regard and be clutch. But, uh, you know, so it's just, it's a matter of putting together and this is the thing, that we pride ourselves on is, is putting together a great creative team. You know, everyone that our production company is pretty small. Like we really only have a dozen people that work at the company full time. And then what happens is when you get a project and you sell it, then you bring on an entire staff and you bring on the crew and you bring on the post team and you're, you're hiring all these people. And a lot of them are, are friends and people you've worked with before that, you know, are excellent. Um, you know, men and women that have done this uh, and are pros. And so it's filling that out. So I really never kind of look at a project like it's too big or too daunting. Um, one of the coolest projects we did, which you guys didn't even mention, um, Quibi um, paid us to make Run This City. It's about Jaisal Carrera, who is the youngest mayor of Fall River, who just got in arrest indicted for like 21 counts of well a lot of doing a lot of stuff so i'm not sure how far hull is from fall river but um that project was super small and it's now going to be on so it's quibi doesn't exist anymore they sold off their library to roku so now the roku channel will have run the city and that's like the same level of um, high elevated look like that that McMillions and Wall Street has. So we always want to have that that uh, all of our projects to look like they're high end, almost like feature film type quality. 
Cool. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're talking about McMillions and Wall Street and a lot of the stuff that you're working on right now with unrealistic ideas. Um, but obviously the, the catapult to get to that was uh, Wahlburgers, you know, working with Mark on Wahlburgers. So if you want to talk to us a little bit about what, you know, your earlier film uh, making endeavors were, were like and how you got on there, you know, I think I'm de- personally very fascinated and curious by that, too, because obviously a big part of the show took place in Hingham, which is really cool for us, you know, being whole house, right? It's uh, whole Massachusetts, which, you know, most people that, that hear the name, you know, it kind of goes in through one ear, out the other. They don't fully realize it. So. So it's really cool for us to be talking to, you know, somebody of your stature out in L.A. and all the stuff that you're working on and then to be able to relate back to, you know, Hall and Hingham and and we're talking about Fall River on the air. Um, so, yeah. What are your local ties kind of looking like? And, and, and yeah, how did how did that all kind of come about? No, oh, for sure. I, I've spent a lot of time in the shipyard in Hingham. I'll tell you that. A lot of time. Um, Best Wahlburgers location right there. Yes, exactly. The original in Almanove. Um, which is Paul Wahlberg's restaurant, which is literally across the street or kitty corner. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said to you guys earlier, I, um, I went to, uh, well, Syracuse undergrad, then I went to grad school at NYU and I was a screenwriter. So I came out to LA as a, um, as a writer. And then I slowly kind of made my way into doing non-scripted stuff and, because I knew story well, I knew how to tell a story and people always confuse like, Oh, you're a writer. So did you write reality shows? Like, no, I didn't write anything, but I came up with like story scenarios. And that's how a lot of reality TV back in the day was done. And I worked on a show called um, duck dynasty. And so with duck dynasty, you know, they had all these crazy characters and we'd be like, you know, what if this guy did this? And then they would just do it. It'd all be real what they did. But like we'd put them in, it's called soft scripted. So it'd be like a scenario that happens and the guys would do it. And it was all, none of it was written per se, but it was, um, you know, it was conceived and like the format of what was going to happen was sort of vaguely put on paper. So with Wahlburgers, um, they knew that I had, that I had that storytelling experience so I was suggested to come on Wahlburgers and work as a producer on that show. And in doing so, I got a chance to meet Mark and Alma and Donnie and the entire Wahlberg family. And was they turned me into the showrunner because I was able to kind of give them a creative vision on the show. And I became friendly with the family over time. And that's kind of how Mark and I built up our relationship and how we ended up being partners to this day. Definitely. So one thing that I thought was really fascinating about, you know, about Wahlburgers is, is that it kind of almost felt like you guys were doing three shows in a weird way because, you know, you have Paul out in Hingham and then you got Mark in LA and and Donnie in St. Charles, you know, so I was, I'm very curious to know how you kind of connected the dots with that because it's not like, you know, like some other reality shows, like, I don't know, I'm not going to throw the Kardashians on the bus, but like, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians, like they're all just out in LA intermingling, you know, you guys have to figure out a way to connect the plot line between three different people in three different locations almost all the time. So for you, what does that process look like being able to connect everybody? No, that's a, you bring up a great point because that was a highly coordinated show. We'd have to have a cameraman in LA and go, Mark, call up Paul. Now we got a camera on him and hang him. And so you could have that phone conversation. So it's actually being shot where the two are having a real phone conversation and you're filming them. Um, a lot of that actually, because it's funny, because when I was doing Wahlburgers at the beginning, FaceTime really wasn't 
kind of came in in the middle of it. It wasn't, you weren't FaceTiming as much. So once we had FaceTime, it was like a different thing too, because you'd have to make sure that it matched. So a lot of times it would just be a regular phone call and uh, it's tricky because yeah, you have three hours difference. You have to coordinate these things and we all wanted it to be as authentic as possible. I mean, Mark, and that's the difference. You could see a distinct difference between Wahlburgers and Wall Street is Mark is, at, and I just spoke to him this morning, we FaceTime, and he, we we're just talking about this again. He's adamant about it being as real and raw as possible, where Wahlburgers was much more like playful and fun and like lighthearted, like a sitcom. This is much more like, um, a dramedy, you know, leaning on drama first, but then there's, there is some comedic aspects to it, but really like really getting deep into what's really happening in his life. So I love Wahlburgers cause I love comedy. So I love that lighthearted touch. I had a blast making the show. I personally got a chance to, you know, obviously get to know Mark, get to know Alma, his mother, you know, she passed away recently, right. um, which is a shame of course. And, um, Donnie and all the brothers, Bob and Paul and Artie, um, they were, they were a lot of fun to, to, to get to know. And I got to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, I got to go to the Kentucky Derby because, you know, things that they were doing anyway, we're going to film it. So it's like you get to go along with them as a producer. And you, I got to travel to Italy and France. And it's it was a very cool show to to work on. And I had amazing experiences on that show. Yeah, you definitely bring up a lot of good points, um, especially that thing with, you know, FaceTime, because it does feel like when the show first started, you guys are doing a lot more like over the air phone calls. And hypothetically, if you guys were to start shooting Wahlburgers today in 2021, there'd probably be a lot more FaceTimes. I mean, both like socially and, and also like film wise, it probably would make a lot more sense, too. But no, just something really cool to think about. And then it's also really cool how, you know, you kind of jumped into that whole world and, and we're kind of integrated into that family in a lot of ways because, you know, even on Wall Street, I've seen like the banter between you and Mark and, and you know, Mark kind of gives you a hard time the same way he gives his brother Paul a hard time. It's that brotherly love. Um, but, you know, obviously between opening all the locations and just everything that each of the brothers are working on, obviously they live really cool lives and are able to do a lot of cool stuff, which you were, you know, you were also a part of it. In there for a lot of it like you said whether it was the derby or i've heard in previous interviews you know you going out to italy with mark was kind of a huge bonding moment and a bonding trip for you yeah for sure and i think that's the the downtime that you have you know when you're waiting and it's like you're having you know we're, we're shooting something he's like mark's like hey come out and let's grab dinner you know and you grab dinner and it's like i mean it's definitely a surreal thing when i first you know, once you get to know, I was like, oh, shit, I'm out to dinner with Mark Wahlberg, you know, and I, I'm not a um, I'm not the type of person who gets starstruck, but it's amazing. You don't you don't under even even understand the magnitude of his stardom unless you actually get to hang out with him and you see hundreds of people coming up to him during dinner, like not like t like two, like hundreds and he's such a gracious nice guy he's like hey you know and he'll, i'm eating dinner right now but i could sign something later or whatever he's always very nice to people but like you you get to really see that and in that downtime you know just shooting the shit and stuff he got to know me a little bit and he kind of asked about me and thinking like things that i'm interested in and it helped again it shows how much he cares about people and uh like i said i'm really grateful that i got the a chance to uh be a part of knowing him and his family. And, and I think that was another big thing that Mark, you know, he knew that 
I really truly did care very much for his mother. I had a friendship with her. We talk on a regular basis. Um, she was a wonderful woman. She had the best laugh and she was just a, a hoot. She really would. She'd crack me up. We'd have a lot of laughs together. And I think Mark saw that and, and no, knew that I really cared about his mother. And of course, that meant a lot to him. You know, his mother m- meant the world to him and still means the world to him, of course. But so I think a lot of that factored into our, our relationship. And um, the same way that when he, you know, he talks, when we talk, he always asks about my kids. And that means so much to me. You know, it's like he actually cares about them. And yeah, it's a really, friendship. That's, it's, it's that's not a just, friendship. It's not exactly. Just, that's a friendship. So, um, you know, he. The, the, the most surreal thing is we were shooting something in Scotland, of all places, an episode of Wahlburgers. And Mark, we're shooting something on the street. And there was across the street from a Catholic school. And they, the class let out. And there was 1,500 to 2,000 school kids all in their uniforms rushing up to Mark. It was the most insane thing I've ever, I've ever seen. Well, I shouldn't. Say, I did have an experience with with. Uh, I also worked on the Justin Bieber movie. Oh, and I, yeah, yeah. We were gonna ask you so some questions about yeah. that. For so sure. I experienced that as well. That insanity of people coming after Justin. So it just. And I'm I'm always in awe of how you know. And because the these Mark cannot be more down to earth. Seriously, like he's just like you know any other guy. And the fact that people go nuts for him is like this crazy thing, you know, especially when you know him and it's just a very surreal thing. Yeah. And it's really cool, you know, with wall street to see the magnitude of how big Mark really is. And just like the real personal side of him that maybe you don't see to the same extent with Wahlburgers per se. I mean, we're watching this docuseries about this guy who's going about his life and all these businesses he owns. And you really do see that raw emotion that comes across in a very different light. And again, just because of how theatric the, uh, the docuseries is, I mean, it's not really just a documentary about a celebrity who has all these successful businesses. I mean, ultimately COVID hit the gyms are clo- the F 45 gyms. Like they're all closing Wahlburgers, all the locations are closing and you're kind of just seeing how he's going about and dealing with all this happening because I mean, let's be honest, the man could retire right now and live a great life. Like he could literally just go away from all of this, but I mean, he's just itching for business and he's still itching for that livelihood. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just, I just think we all connect, uh, to Mark as, you know, Boston guys who, I mean, I know a lot of guys from Dorchester who still live there now who are union guys who wake up at four 30 in the morning and go to the job and work extremely hard and then come home and, all they take care about and talk about on the weekend is, you know, the socks and the pats and their family. So we kind of just see that from Mark and uh, people from Boston just still feel that way about him. He just has been a Boston guy. Us three guys sitting here. We're kind of three meatballs who, uh, still kind of see that and see how uh, Boston Mark is, you know? But no, definitely. I mean, the fact that you guys were like around this area so much is something that, For me personally, I have a whole lot of gratitude for it. You know, for us to be three young guys in the South Shore of Massachusetts, you know, we have these kinds of entrepreneurial dreams and we want to get into the entertainment industry and be out in L.A. So to have, you know, guys like you and Mark who are out there doing, you know, something similar to what we want to do, it's just so cool that you're able to relate 
to these kinds of things. And, you know, for us to have these LA guys who like know about Hingham and know about Hull, I mean, really, it's just such a cool little thing for us to be able to connect the dots with. And, and even the family component that we were talking about, just values that we like all kind of resonate with. I mean, you guys just really are like such role models for us as we kind of move on in our endeavors and what we're trying to do. Oh, thanks guys. Really appreciate that. And, you know, I will say, you know, this, again, this all comes from Mark and from the heart and it's all, it's all, like you said, it's authentic. And what Mark wanted to do with this show specifically, when we talked about it, how is it going to be different than Wahlburgers? It's he, he wanted people to get a glimpse and understanding of the amount of work that has to go into success. I mean, real success. And that there's a lot of obstacles along the way. You know, the expectation is, oh, Mark Wahlberg is making this movie and he's going to make a gajillion dollars. And there's, it's so easy. I wish I could do a movie. And Mark Wahlberg is now running a gym. And look how easy this is. And this guy just gets so lucky and how everything falls into his lap. It's like, no, the guy grinds like no one I've ever met. And I, I work my ass off, too. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why Mark likes me and why we, you know, but he he puts me to shame in so many ways as far as how hard he works and how how we get how he gets up so early and is so committed. And I just I really have the utmost respect for the guy. And my grind is late night. Like I, I always say that to him, like he wakes up at three in the morning. I'm going to bed at like two in the morning after working my ass off. Um, you know, working on projects and getting things done and creatively trying to put stuff together and uh, and also having that family time. You know, that's the thing that Mark stresses. And I, I completely, um, uh, you know, I've said this before, but like he'll call me up on the phone and he'll be like, I'll be like, hey, man. So I got this project. He's, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are Lucy and Wally? Those are my kids. You know, how are they doing? What's going on? Like he like puts me like, wait a step. Like, how is the family? And that's that you know, you guys know. And, and, you know, in the Boston area, like that's it. It's like it's all about family and friends and, and working your ass off. And he's been he's been fortunate enough to have tremendous success. So a lot of people don't get that amount of success, but it's certainly because of the hard work he does. Um, and, and that's really what the message he wanted out there is like, if you put in the hard work and you believe in yourself and you don't give up, you could do great things. Yeah. And it's like you said, people see all the glitz and glamour of the movie star, movie star lifestyle, but no one understands the price that you have to pay for that. You lose all this time with your family. And Mark says it himself all the time throughout wall street that he misses his family and he wants to be with them. And people don't really see that end of things when they're watching the movies and they see the lifestyle that people live. They don't understand what goes into it and how devastating it can honestly be to have to spend that much time away from your family. You know, you guys are both big family guys and you know, you mentioned how that's the most important thing. Yeah, and it's definitely pretty easy, you know, from afar to just be like, oh, well, it's not that bad or, you know, the amount of money that you're making, like it's worth it. But I mean, if you really put yourself in those shoes, it's got to feel so much harder. Um, but, you know, and, and even that, right, the amount of work that you guys are putting in people fail to realize sometimes that nothing is guaranteed, right? Like, even though you guys are successful and famous and have all this stuff going on, the benefits of, of what you guys are doing it's not guaranteed, you know, like, like when we saw it clearly in wall street, like you guys are working so hard on that 45 in the gyms and everything. And it just all closes, you know, unrealistic ideas. You guys could drop a project that may not be successful, but you know, like you guys have been doing it's, you know, you guys are making quality clearly, but you, you got to deliver on that quality. And, and if you don't, things kind of fall through the cracks a little. 
Yeah, it's it, it is it it's it's a lot. Everything's a grind. Nothing nothing comes easy. You know, people should realize that this isn't like you're winning the lottery and you've done nothing. I mean, every bit of it is hard work, and and keeping that balance right. There's the old saying that no one ever was on their deathbed, you know, um, complaining they had, they wish they spent more time at the office, right? It's the family. It's the moments with your family that are most important. And when you guys get older, you know, hopefully you'll have the experience to be a dad. Um, and, and when you have children, when they grow up, they grow up so quickly. And I, you know, again, that my kids are, are, are shown on the show a little bit. Like I distinctly go out of my way to make sure that I spend quality time with my kids in Hollywood. Um, before the pandemic, a lot of the times you'd go out for drinks and business drinks and so forth. They're dinners with people. And I, had very little kids at the time. And I would, I told people I cannot go out between six o'clock at night and nine. Cause that's my time with my kids, but I'll have a late night drink with you or I'll meet you in the afternoon or get lunch. But that was quality time that I was not willing to give up. And part of that is because of, you know, what I've seen with Mark and his kids and how, and how hard he works, but he makes sure he makes sure even if he's shooting a movie overseas, he will fly back so he's at least home to visit the kids like every couple of weeks. He definitely is not. And, you know, again, that's touched in, in Wall Street as well. When he was in London, he was gone for his family for a way longer period of time than he wanted. And and that's really what, you know, as a dad, that's what that drives him. And, that, and that's the thing that we didn't say this um, flat out say this, but that's his number one business is this, as is, is being a dad. Number one, even being over an actor, like being a dad, that's that's his number one business. And and a husband, of course. And like we know how hard he works on all his other businesses. So yeah. he must be a pretty incredible dad. Yeah. Yeah, it really does put it into perspective, you know, because like I, I've heard Scooter Braun say on many occasions that he's got to be home by like six o'clock or five o'clock, something like that, to be able to tuck his kids in bed every night that he's in L.A. And so... You know, just having that perspective of family and, and those obligations on top of, you know, all the other stuff that you guys have going on is just really, it's really something commendable. Good on Scooter for getting his kids to bed at five or six. I can't think yeah. of I have a, I have a two-year-old that literally went to bed at midnight last night. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like you said, it's not ever explicitly mentioned throughout the show, but you can tell that, you know, the business that Mark cares the most about is spending time with his family. I mean, my favorite scenes are always the ones where he's at home, whether he's collecting cards with the kids or just hanging out. Like it's so cool to see. It makes you realize how much of a, you know, real, like true to his roots family man that he is. I feel like he could be, you know, my own uncle or family friend from Dorchester or Boston area. Like it, it just feels so authentic. And also doesn't take any shit. That's that's the boss guy. You, in him. What did you guys? I'm curious. What did you guys think of like the CEOs, like the the big time CEOs that chime in and they're kind of giving their words of advice? What did you guys? Did you did you take any away from that as being young entrepreneurs? Did you find that fascinating? Did you find it distracted, detracted from the storytelling? Yeah, no, I definitely thought it was really cool to have like you know Dana and Damon and all these different different outsiders kind of come in and give their insights. It, it really reminded me of like um, you know Adam McKay and like The Big Short. You know, you're you're sitting there and you're watching something. All of a sudden, like Marco Robbie pops up on the screen. You know, in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bathtub. And and you're hearing all these outsiders just like you know give their perspective. And it's really cool to see these familiar faces. Yeah, that was honestly one of my favorite parts too, just to see all these guys who are truly like icons in our eyes, people that we saw growing up and 
just to hear what they have to say and their opinion and their perspective on what Mark has been doing with, whether it's F-45, Wahlburgers, unrealistic ideas. Honestly, whether they agree, disagree, or, you know, are kind of on the fence about his ideas or what he's doing, it's super validating to see those guys come in with their opinions. Part of what we're, we were trying to do with that, too, is to show, um, you know, Mark never went to college, right? And so that's another thing. It's like he's it's all street smarts with him. And it's and that's another part of it is like he's going to make decisions and they're not all going to be right. Sometimes he's going to make, you know, the wrong decisions and he'll have to sort of deal with that and try to pivot and, and, and get it right again. But I think a lot of that was trying to show the audience, hopefully, that like here's all these really very successful business people and people all have their own opinions on how what's success and what isn't. You know, I mean, a lot of it's the same. There's a lot of core values that are the same, but everyone has sort of their different way of of, of looking at things. And again, it's there's no one right way to do things. Yeah, it, it's it's listening to those guys. They're talking about a blueprint, but there really isn't a specific blueprint. The blueprint really seems to be work your ass off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the other thing that's really cool and validating it, which is pretty obvious, you know, seeing all, all you guys doing what you're doing is that there's really no specific route to getting where you want to be. You know, there's like a million different ways to do things and a million different blueprints. And so that's definitely something that was validated by by seeing all these different insights. I will tell you one thing that my uncle told me many, many, many years ago. My dad was a graphic designer and did a lot of great movie posters. My uncle sold um, auto parts. He was a salesman and he worked his ass off. And um, he told me one day, he goes, your father hasn't worked a day in his life. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, he loves what he does so much. It's not work to him. That's not work. I work. I work at my job. I hate my job, but I work hard at it. The key to life is doing something you love like your father loves. And then it's not work. And then you're not looking at your watch and going, I got to get off the clock and go out and grab beers with the guys because I'm at work. I work 15 hours a day, but I don't call it work. I love what I do. And it's an extension of what I do. And my wife knows that and my family knows that and my friends know that. And it's part of my life. Like I go out to drinks with my friends and we're talking about the business and we're talking about stories. And that is work too. You're learning and you're, you're, you're getting ideas from people. But that's the way that I, in my little bit of advice to you guys is whatever you're doing, as long as you, and that's the true bit of being an entrepreneur. Don't work for someone else and bust your ass. Work for yourself. And it won't be work. It won't be a job. You know what I mean? It, that, that's the real key. And I think that's also something that's really important with Wall Street that's not very specifically told. But Mark loves this stuff. He, doesn't, he loves working out. That's why he does F45. You know, he loves the family component of his brother. That's why he does Wahlburgers. He loves, um, you know, uh, obviously entertainment industry, which is why he does Unreal's Ideas and Closest to the Whole. Everything is municipal. He's got to love, you know, he, it's, everything is an extension of who he is. And then it's, it's not as much work for him. He puts in a lot of effort and time and energy, but it's not like, oh, shit, I got to do this. Do you know what I mean? 
for sure. You bring up a real good point, you know, especially with like, with like F 45, you know, Mark doesn't have to go there. He really doesn't have to do it. And it just goes to show about how much he, he believes in the product and he loves doing it. Like he has a state of the art renowned gym in his own house. He does not have to be going there, but you know, like anything else, you really got to love what you do to get the full quality out of it. And if you don't, you know, it just becomes a job and, and you really can't do it to the full potential. It's like, if you like vintage cars, you know, you're not just working on it to get it done. Like you really appreciate it and you're putting your heart into it. And so something that we can really appreciate out of what you guys do. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's not to sound like the old man here, but you know, I've, I've worked for companies too, you know, and it's like that the alarm clock goes off. You're like dreaded feeling of, Oh man, I got to get to work. You know, that's the worst feeling in the world, man. You got, you know, yeah, I think six thirty tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> And that's the, you know, that, that, you know, you have your kids waking you up at five in the morning, but I mean, you know, to me, like I said, yeah, it's, it's about just doing what you love, you know, why waste time on anything else? Yeah, definitely. Like totally, totally get what you're saying. I'm just totally curious though. Have you done Mark's 2am regimen? I know you said you were kind of a late night guy. And so I'm, I'm wondering if he's gotten you to do the workout that he does. Well, a couple things. Mark, so when Mark did his three, he was the, it was the three a.m. club and the four a.m. club. Yeah, I live about thirty minutes from him. I would have to wake up a half hour earlier to even go to his house to work out and or to film. He'd have me film him working out. Yeah, let's not forget we're talking about the guy from Pain and Gain, right? I mean, but yeah. he's getting people out there. He had Octavia Spencer out there. I, I think he had Mario Lopez out there too. So Tom, Tom Dowd, who's uh, one of, you know, a great guy, one of Mark's business partners, he's in the show, of course, he, he, he runs performance inspired. He owns it with Mark. Um, and he does a lot of other stuff with Mark, um, a lot of business ventures and deals. Um, Mark, this was actually part of wall street and it got cut because of, it was for time reasons. Mark challenged us. He, uh, Tom had to lose 30 pounds and I had to put on 15 pounds of muscle. <laughs> and I, I, I put on 15 pounds. Oh, you did? You. Congratulations. Wow. So what was the reward? I, and I, and then the pandemic, the pandemic hit and I lost it all. <laughs> no one could see my, I had, I had, so I was, I'm not going to say I was ripped because I'm a slender guy, but I look like my wife was like, whoa, like it's work. You know, you were working. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's still pretty rewarding then. I never got to show it off and now I'm skinny again. <laughs> so I, I've got to ask, I've been waiting the entire interview to ask, does he actually do the running golf thing where he hits the ball, sprints up to it and then hits it again and finishes around in like two hours? Because oh, I've never uh, heard of another and human and being doing that. Is he the first person to ever do that? That's the most fascinating thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, no, he, I mean, of course, if it's like a business golf meeting, he won't do that, but <laughs> He, he's, it's crazy. It's crazy. He, he's, and he's, you know, of course he wakes up so early. He's always the first one on the tee and like at like 6am or whatever. And, um, it's, uh, the guy is uh, when it comes, and I do not know where all that energy comes from. I guess it's like, I get tired literally getting, you know, just doing anything, walking down the stairs, you know, Archie, man, I think you could do it. I mean, if you're able to put on like 50 pounds of muscle that quickly, I think you can get you on the golf course to, well, to make it happen. I, so I have a, I played ice hockey in, in like 
peewees and all the way through high school. I was on my high school hockey team. And uh, so I have a pretty good natural golf swing. When people see me swing, they're like, oh, you're a golfer. I was like, I play golf once a year. And Mark's like, hey, come on out. Let's play. You know, at times I I can't hang with I, I'm, I'm a competitive guy and I will not go out in the golf course with him because I will look like a chump and I will not allow that. Uh, I'm sure the magnificent courses that he's playing at, too. Oh yeah, they're crazy courses. Yeah. Like I had, I, I had an awesome time when we were doing Wahlburgers. I was at Pebble Beach and he played with Bubba Watson, and I walked the course and I got to meet Bubba and stuff. It was super cool. Um, I actually have a, a buddy of mine who's a, a golf pro, and he's like, "I'll teach you. I'll, I'll give you lessons and stuff." So I got to get on that. But when, again, when, when you have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. It's hard to get out to the golf course. Yeah, yeah. Pencil in three and a half hours that I'll be gone uh, without my phone. So Exactly. <laughs> so I, eventually I will get my golf game on point and uh, that'll be a couple of years out. Yeah, and then get the cardio and then you can do the running golf too. I mean, I'm 25. I wouldn't be able to last nine holes doing that. I also, when I play golf too, it's like, you know, we a beer a hole sort of golf, you know what I mean? Yeah, much more casual, much more my speed uh, on the course. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll be out in LA soon. We could probably we could probably get that going, test something up. Yeah, we could uh, set up around uh, playing at Pebble Beach of Bubba Watson. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah doable. Right. Get some training in first if we're going to be doing the sprinting golf, though. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously you guys have uh, you guys have Wall Street out right now, and you guys release McMillions. Something that I was wondering is is how many projects do you guys have on deck at any given time? Because I imagine you guys have like a ton of different stuff you're working on, and and yeah, I'm just curious, like you know, based on what you're allowed to say, what do you guys have coming up? What are you guys working on? Um, a lot of stuff. I can't talk specifically For about sure. yeah. things, but um, uh, some more stuff in the true crime space. Some really cool stuff in the sports. Um, space with a lot of big name athletes, stuff in the music space, um, a really fun treasure hunting show, which is cool. Uh, a lot of stuff. And again, it all speaks to kind of, you know, Mark's brand and Lev, my, our, you know, my other partner, who's, of course, Mark's longtime manager, just stuff that we think is cool and fun and feels um you know, the think are cool. Like we, 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 we really want to stick to stuff that fits Mark's brand and Mark, you know, we don't like to do schlocky stuff. And, and Lev always, we use that word schlocky, you know, we don't want to do stuff that would, that doesn't seem cool. And, and, and stories that are cool and characters that are like, make you go, holy shit. I can't believe this story is real. I can't believe this, this is a real person. I mean, of course, wall street, you know, um, is slightly different than McMillions in many ways, but it's the way you tell the story and telling it in an elevated way is really what Unrealistic Ideas is all about. And the idea is like, if you see one of our projects or one of our shows or series, you, I, we want the audience to go, this is awesome, and I could totally see this as a movie or a scripted TV show. Yeah, and you were just talking about what's cool. So I saw that you guys had partnered with uh, Josh Richards um, to make Crosscheck Productions, I believe it's called. Uh, so just what was your process of teaming up with him? I had heard about him before a little bit, but then I had listened to him a lot on the uh, podcast that he did with Dave Portnoy and Barstool. So just you uh, linking up with him, you and Mark, seems like a perfect match. And... Um, and also working with Michael Gruen. I mean, Gruen's just an absolute legend. So tell me what it was like working with him. I told this Gruen is a, first of all, Josh is the nicest kid in the world. 
um, such a humble kid for being like, you know, this, the, the, the social media darling that he is and TikTok is really talented guy. Michael Gruen just emailed me out of the blue and was like, we, we really admire your work, Archie. We love Mark. I'd love to get it, you know, do a zoom with you to kind of tell tell you what's going on. I zoom with them a couple of times. I was so impressed with them. And I was like, you guys remind me of a young version of Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson. They really do. And I I said that from the get-go. And I was like, I could totally see it. And so after several conversations, we're like, we should definitely partner up with you guys and create Crosscheck Studios. And we're super stoked about that as well. And that's really going to be a lot of great projects coming out of that too. Josh, again, has incredible uh, love for sports. So there's a lot of sports-themed stuff, but also just things that speak to Gen Z in general. And uh, I actually have a Zoom with him in two minutes. Oh, with Josh. that's great. So that's a good segue. This is Lev, my... Um, but, uh, so, yeah, Archie's um, on, a, on a huge schedule yeah, no, right now. Archie, thanks so much for doing this. Like you guys just heard, he's got a, a Zoom with Josh Richards in like two minutes. Um, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to like shout out, plug, or anything that you want to mention? Uh, basically, just like I said, like it's you put in the hard work. Try, you know, you, life is, you know, you got to go after it in life, right? And so if you're going to put a lot of time and energy into something, believe in yourself, go for it. Don't listen to the haters. And, you know, that's really the key, you know, and that's what Mark has done. He's always believed in himself. He's believed, you know, and that helps me believe in myself. I've always believed in myself, but even having those people around you that are are rooting for you and great support system, you know, be around those people. And that's it. That's, that's all I got to say as far as, as far as the entrepreneurial spirit goes and, uh, Best of luck to you guys. I appreciate it. I had fun chatting and keep keep in touch. Thank you so much. Archie Gibbs, president and partner of Unrealistic Ideas. Awesome. Thank you, Archie. Thank appreciate you, it. Archie. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Hull House Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Hull House, H-U-L-L-H-A-U-S. New episodes dropping every week, so stay tuned wherever you're listening.